now tuned in. Two from Houston with love, where we give you a balanced perspective of arts, culture, and what's going on locally in the city of Houston. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at From Hue with Love. Brought to you by RIK, Rappers I Know, and IllMatterMedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for coming and listening to From Houston With Love. This is your man, D-Rose, a.k.a. Cashmere Don, a.k.a. Slim Bundles, a.k.a. Marshmallow Assassin, a.k.a. Diabetic King, a.k.a. I ain't got no more AKs, but we are here. Uh, I just celebrated uh, another lap around this earth this weekend. And the crowd goes and wild. And the crowd went wild. I walked in the place to be. They gave me cheers yes, sir. like they gave to Norm when I walked into the spot. It's another beautiful day in the city of Houston. I'm here with my brethren. We have some amazing guests that's with us as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I am going to pass the baton like I am running the race. D. Randall, take it away. D. Randall, uh, a.k.a. you probably know me from my latest film, Pluto Ash in the Land of White Knuckles. Uh, I am properly moisturized today. So I, I'm definitely not on set. Just glad to be here. We also have... Uh, D-Ray, a.k.a. My Folks Only Son, a.k.a. The Slapbox Champion, a.k.a. Combo Number One, <laughs> a.k.a. Your side piece, your side piece. Oh, uh, man, yeah, great. We, got, we started off on a good ten, uh, note earlier, you know, uh, warming up the good old chops and uh, skills. And uh, you know, I can't wait to get into these segments that we got uh, before us. Uh, uh, I'm going to pass it on to our first guest. All right. Who do we have today? Hey, how are you doing? I'm Bobby, a.k.a. the up-and-comer, a.k.a. Damn, she got a big forehead, but I still smash, though. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love wow. it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you ready? You Facts. see it? I thought I wear hats a lot of time to it cover it. But you know what? I said, fuck it, I'm going to embrace it. We'll, we'll, keep, it, we'll, we'll keep it real, then. We'll keep it real, then. Facts. <laughs> what? What? Uh, I have nothing. Nothing else. Uh, yeah, nothing yeah. else. And, 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 and we're going to pass it to our second guest. Wow. I can't even follow that up. <laughs> she made a black man what's, blush. What's up, y'all? This is Joshua Butler, a.k.a. Jay Butter, huh. a.k.a. Jay Bizzle, what? a.k.a. I ran for Congress as a Democratic representative. Now I was what? doing the political advertising type of deal. So Fact. Now what? Yeah, I'm mm. done. That's and you I know what? Facts. And you know what? And he got goons too. Facts. He got goons got in District goons? Seven. I mean, he, if he's gonna run again, you probably don't really. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you don't okay, try. Okay. You don't I mean, do that. Galleria goons. It's Galleria goons. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing worse, man. It's fashion, professional. Fashion gangsters. They keep it professional you know in the most professional way. You know what I'm saying? Baby crown is getting to But hey, like I tell everybody, it's professional. I am a candidate right now. We gonna have some fun. He got goons. He not a candidate right now. He from Alabama. Shit, he got anyway, going. Anyway, oh, yeah. and, and the first cuss word done come out already. Yeah. There you go. It took there this it long. is. Yeah, this is where it's going. It took this long. God damn. Well, how's y'all? How's y'all week been going this week? Uh, I'm ready for winter to be over. Yeah. Oh, what's up with this, this shit? This is some bullshit. Shit is a remix. Winter in April. In April, bro. Like we usually down here, we usually get winter in February. Right. I mean, summer right. in February. I'm saying, I'm, usually I'm complaining by now about how hot. It fucking is, and right. how I'm not looking forward second to second cut. What? Oh, my bad. Oops. You good? No, no, no. Oh, no. You're good. This is, <laughs> this is unfiltered. This is, this is late night, so yeah, yeah, you're good. Let's go on after hours. They give a disclaimer. We come on. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> they tell you that we are the most dangerous show on all real radio. The most. Dangerous. Yes, we are. Like, they put us in the stepchild spot because. Uh-huh. 
But it's real. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. It's real that so we can can ex- expound and express ourselves the way you just did. Second cuss word. That's my favorite cool. word. Well, fuck. Expound. Yes. Okay. Expound. Oh, it's oh. like, could you stop being expound? expound. <laughs> I got you. It's my favorite. Word. I'm like, you know what that means? Fornication under considered the king. I'm the king. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking right. <laughs> Y'all, there are some weird what? dynamics going on I, in this studio right you now. Never do that. <laughs> yeah, that was the that's only way the church stepped in. No, that's in. false. But I it's what it's people false, believe. Exactly. No, I'm sorry. No, I totally believe you. Educate me. <laughs> Those damn colonizers have created the word and education. Gave it, gave it yeah, but supposed to be like when the church stepped in to give you permission to have sex with they your lied. partner, they lied, you had to be married under the consent of the king. That what act, king? whatever king that was the king, in king, charge the, the at king. that time. I, I don't believe that. And so, in order to fuck someone, you had to get that paper signed. You talking about King Trump? It felt like we might have to go through that. Rodney King, Martin Luther King, all oh, those goddamn kings in America. Damn, okay, that was a dope ass album. That's wow, still classic. One of the greatest. Uh, yeah, I never heard of that, so I'm, I don't, I don't really know what y'all are talking about there. I don't subscribe you just to that. Knowledge. Were you not focused? I, I mean, but you know, I, but it also came from a friend of mine who's almost like a Darius kind of character from Atlanta. He's always smoked out. He always dropping jewels forever. Like, oh yeah, okay. he, he, he like he the type of nigga that. You you eat a watermelon, like, why would you eat a watermelon with no seeds? Does he make uh, sense, though? It'd be doing make your sense in hindsight. I mean, I, hindsight. I understand the whole thing about seedless watermelons. Like, I know that they're GMOs or whatever. But see, I didn't know that. I was like, shit, they get rid of them. That shit and is they just, great. I, you don't have you to throw a little salt on it, sprinkle me, man. See, that's what's wrong with y'all. Nah, just a little <laughs> sea salt. Nah. Pink Himalayan oh, sea salt. I don't, I don't do watermelons. I love that niggas are still niggas, but then get fancy. Just like, no. Niggas go me. I don't niggas. No. I don't know if gonna be in person. My blood pressure gonna raise the roof. I'm not, I'm not nigging. I'm not nigging on watermelons though. I, I can't. I can't nig on watermelons. I love nigga apples, boy. Nigga I'll nig on some mangoes though. What is a nigga apple? A watermelon. A watermelon. Oh, oh, right. oh damn. Okay. <laughs> she just saw the black card for real. <laughs> Revoke. I'm saying. I did go to private school. That we didn't uh, do that. Oh. And that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to go some rednecks. They'll let you know where you at real quick. <laughs> boy. <laughs> pink salt on watermelon. Hey, this shit is great because pink Himalayan six cells have a lot of minerals. Pink Himalayan salt is actually the bomb. The blood pressure the bomb. is raising in here I'm real quick. Like, man, you you, you see how we just crossed that? You see how we just went from niggerdom to some real shit real quick? Like the iodine salt, see, salt that you always use, it doesn't affect your blood pressure in that sense. Right. It's actually better for you. I got me a jar full of it. It was like eight dollars, and it's worth. It. You talking about? You talking about pink Himalayan? Pink Himalayan sea yeah. salt. Because because the di- that, di- that diet salt, Marshalls. that diet salt fucks you. They have No, that's bad salt, sweetheart. No, it's not. <laughs> no, I see. They I've got, been to Marshalls. They have the home goods. Uh, what you call it? It's bath salts. It's, bath it's bath not bath salts. No, it's not. The whole little kitchen section with all types of seasonings and shit. Yeah, when so. she come up in hot and here high, we know why. <laughs> <laughs> Eat the nigga face. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. Rude. I'm gonna need you to send me the uh, the Google link for the nutritional facts on that. Oh, I will. No, it's it's facts. Oh, that's a real man. thing. No, it's facts. It's facts. My bodybuilder homeboys use it. And trust me, it's facts. That's how you know. Because they they don't want to hold a lot of water, water in their muscles because 
that's what salt does, you know, keeps you bloated and stuff. They want to be lean and, you know, and all that good stuff, so they eat the pink Himalayan. They eat the pink. Eat the pink. Eat that pink. I'm glad. 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 That eats at the Y. We got our first vaginal reference out the way. Yes. Thank you, D-Way, of course. Yeah, man. And in the most respectful way, too. Wow. Great. Uh, so that's our new colloquialism for. Uh, colloquialism. We're gonna call it Himalayan pink, pink salt for pink Himalayan. Hey, hold up. I love that, man. That's <laughs> like, hey, I like Himalayans. We need to write a song about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of songs about that. Not pink Himalayan <laughs> sea salt. This is gonna be a new segment called Eat the Pink. Eat the, the pink, pink on all real radio. Oh man, Jay Butter on it, boy. Jay Butter is on it. You know what? Jay Butter. That's butter with the bars. If it if it wasn't politically incorrect, I would ask you to play uh the beat nuts. Eat the eat the mm-hmm. yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good on that. The beat wasn't really that hard on it. What? Have you seen Janelle Monet's new video called Pink? Have I yes. not? Look at how he did scissors. his right finger. Have I not? Is that scissor sisters? I yeah, I was about to ask you. That's the one you saw my scissors yes. with Tessa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. babe. Ah. Hey, man. You see they matching clothes and stuff now, huh? When they, they go out. They go together. They both man. in there black and then they're white. They go together. Yeah, man. Yeah, hey, was, both yeah, of my yeah, girlfriends go, go together. go together like fifth grade. My girl got a girlfriend. Do y'all, y'all, y'all know who we talking about? Okay, okay, okay. I've been okay, posting okay, it all okay. week long. He's like, yeah. Yeah, in this video, they are they are dressed up as vaginas. Vaginas. Some are bloody. It came out like three days ago. And mm-hmm. Tessa plays the role of mm. uh, Janelle's clitoris. Pinky oh, fingers? Yes. And I said that correctly. Pinky fingers out. It was... Uh, that is artistic. It was, it was artistic. That is artistic. I appreciated the art behind it. It's beautiful. And uh, I hope it's... Scissors. Scissors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so happy that they made that video. And then when she was stroking Tessa's face... Oh. Yes. Uh, you need a moment? Mm. Ah. It was kind of like the Nicki Minaj video that I'm going to post later on, hmm? when she's walking in uh, Chun Li, and it's just her walking forward. Ew. I can't. Oh, I, that's I, I can't. I can't get. That I can't is get the with best it. part of the whole video. Uh, but I check can't. it out. The video that I edited, you're gonna be like. First of all, because it's no music. Uh, you don't want clapping. I, I heard somebody say the other day they were like, you know, God's black. Because if you ever look at black women, hmm. you know, yes. ain't none more perfect in the world. You know what I'm saying? So. Do it, Dad. <laughs> Jay okay. Butter. Yes. Jay Butter. I'm going to tell, tell you about this bad one that I had met on my birthday last year. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord Jesus. Bruh. Bruh. Pacquiao was banging like a Benzie. If I was Jiggy, she'd be what? Spotted like Spud McKenzie. McKenzie. Shit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she's sitting right there. Wait, what? Uh, oh, was that me? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, because wait a minute. Now you got to I've read. told you that so <laughs> many you times. Say, Dad, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, hey, don't forget the forehead, but you're still the forehead. Hit. I still smell <laughs> though. Hey, That's the smell. I was still. I feel like Lord. you're telling the story wrong. <laughs> the way <laughs> the eyes are looking at me. I'm, I'm just... Oh, I'm. I'm Whew. I'm just waiting for... Um, what is your side of the story? Yeah. My side of the story, we were uh, both <laughs> well, we at? in attendance uh-huh. at a, um, what is it, Wh- wind uh, down. The wind down. The wind down to watch the season finale okay. of Insecure, cool. which is like my favorite show. Okay, Season two. And you know. so I stuck around Lawrence because... Uh, yep. what, what happened? Team Lawrence. 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 Team Lawrence, Sorry. baby. Lawrence. Am I Team Lawrence? Yeah, you rep for Team Lawrence. Was I, was I rep for Team Lawrence? Okay. Lawrence, I another to, reason why I had like. Mm. I know I wasn't Team Issa. I'm not. Nah. I'm not. <laughs> Just play the show. Um, but yeah, so we were at the the wind down, and then I stayed behind trying to help clean. Stay behind. Anyway, 
<laughs> try to help clean and be, you know, a good person. Mm-hmm. And he was still <laughs> there. Being <laughs> <laughs> thirsty. Uh-huh. <laughs> was a bit he needed, he need, he needed some, a some Sprite. He needed some, he needed some, uh, some, some water. Fina? Just some, just some, some regular H2O. Some and so, no, then we went out. It was his birthday. Wow. And we went out for Mexican food. <laughs> Yeah. Afterwards, and that was the day. Yeah. All right. And so I don't know. Yeah, that, that was the day. Eight months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Looking for that good alkaline water, huh? Man, balance out the acidity. Topo Chico. Look at you. Uh, yeah. Okay. But then she hit me with the yeah, right, and I'm like, oh lord, Erica, I don't. Uh, then I got a copy of her book, and it was dope. Like I kept. Facts. Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> I could not stop reading it, and I'm like, man. Then you started reading stuff that like that like the places in Houston that you know you you, you frequent. Like, ah, that was no good. Mm-hmm. And start painting pictures. I'm like, this girl pretty good. Oh, Shonda Rhimes ass, but yeah, shout out Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, since this is from Houston with love, you know, right, right. You know, no doubt, no doubt. You know, we'll talk about that and uh, talk about my man Jay Butter. You know what I'm saying? His run. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, the white folks, man. You, you, they know who you are now. Well, I'll say this. And one. now they know they, he's they, not white. <laughs> <laughs> I just blew the cover, man. Sorry. Really? You had to get me right. Uh, <laughs> no, yes, people. Go. I sound white over the radio. Yeah. No, nah, but true. you you were repping you were repping hard though, man. You were repping hard. Uh, I know we're gonna cover this a little later, but you were repping hard, going door to door, mm-hmm. so the people could see your face. And and know that you were about Your about business. them, and not only know? that, ninety percent of my block walking was in communities of color. Mm, like, gotcha. I knew I lived in a white district, but at the same point in time, our people are disenfranchised mm-hmm. by all this political bullshit. Yep. Right. So I wanted to give us a voice, and even more so, let them know I was the first African American that felt the need and the opportunity to run in that district. So, and regardless of appreciate that, like appreciate it. It. God damn it. <laughs> The fu- and, and, and you know what? This is two thousand. Like I, t- I touched on this some episodes ago. We're still saying the first in two thousand eighteen. The sad. first, yes. But at the same time, the, the reason it can be the first is because we're now motivated more than ever to see that all those sacrifices that were made by our parents and our grandparents and great grandparents and so on and so back that those things aren't taken in vain. And yep. we have to lead those opportunities forward because there has been suppression. There has been oppression. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that you can't go out and create opportunity, but access isn't there for everybody. So it takes people like myself. It takes people like you all in this room, giving a voice to our people and making sure that we're not taken for granted by these political structures that practically don't give a shit about us. Mm. Say words. Look at up? you making our show sound respectable. I know. Man, no. man. It's balance, baby. Balance. Man, I, I should have wore that cheeky. Work-life balance. We were talking about vagina and ended up talking about, like, man, okay. And it all Sometimes you have to make it clear as mud, bro. Well, before we get too far into the right direction, uh, let's go ahead and take our first quick break. And we'll be right back in a moment with more from Houston. With love. With Jay Butter and my lady here. What's the name of your book? Fuego. 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 Oh, shit. She's going to be hot. Her name is Bobby, by the way. Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> it's Fuego. Hot. There was this daddy long leg spider who spun his lyrics between the trees. 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 She was the fly girl who didn't see the web. 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 
wet the web. And this is the story. The story. The story. The story. Uh-huh. 
To the most dangerous show on our real radio. This is from Houston with Love. <sighs> oh, we had a good break just now. Yeah, uh, we, that should have been a part of this segment. Oh, yeah, good, you know, right. I have nothing a, else to give. Put <laughs> <laughs> it all on the table. In summary, if you <laughs> have, show, we're if, done. if you have white friends, use them wisely. Use yes. them well. Uh, the drunker they get, the more you get. So, in good. some <laughs> and, I mean the beautiful part about it is most of the times they'll be racist as shit and they'll forget about it the next day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll probably oh man you're, you're my favorite nigger man and just, just with the uh, A or the hard ER does it even matter at that point nah, nah, it's, right. it's like it's like cause alcohol they feed you alcohol so alcohol kills all germs and that being one of them <laughs> I mean the most beautiful part about it is you can save it up and then you can just come at them like that one day that they're annoying you at work, you just come at like, hey, man, I got this little video. You remember we went to happy hour a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Man, you called me nigga like three times. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. You know I don't think like that. Yeah. Let me buy you a drink. I heard him a Dr. No, that's Dre how you song. Get, you get more than a drink. When you, will, when you hit him with that, okay. that's that you have to. Because if you've saved up, you got to yeah. get more than alcohol. Y'all not doing this right. What are you doing? Women. See, women can get a lot. Y'all more. are not doing this y'all right. Y'all pull more guilt strings. You, you act you like you've been like it's been festering, like you've just been sitting on this, like it's fucked up your whole whatever. Like you've gotten a write up that day, and you got to put it back on that. Like you know, I just haven't been comfortable even showing up because well, remember back at the bar. Oh, she good. 
at, back at the bar. You, I don't think you remember. You were was with my friends, and yeah, you just gotta go for it. You just keep landing on, and you said something about my hair, and it made me a little self conscious. And then you invited some friends. I didn't even know these men, and they all started touching my hair. And somebody asked for it. I don't trust nothing with a W. I don't trust white people or women. But you see what that filibuster, that filibuster right there, can transcend right into the relationship what she just did right there. True story. Oh my God. I'm so, so good. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot know. I'm also with all men. My oh bad. Oh my god. <laughs> my bad. But that is wrong, and it is lying, and lying is oh, wrong. I'm such a terrible person. Oh my god. Yo, my fiance has a saying. She's just like, "Well, baby, you know, what's yours is mine, and what's mine is mine." Mm. And I'm sitting there like, wait, wait, wait. Yep. What? How did, did she oh, say it slower? <laughs> yeah. Somebody say that one more time. Just like. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is mine. And I'm like, oh, that's how it's gonna be. She was like, yeah. yeah. Women have the mentality of <laughs> women have the mentality of stick up kids. <laughs> what do we have? The- <laughs> Y'all have the mentality of stick up kids because what what what's mine is hers. And what's hers is hers. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's stick up kids. So, it's so y'all won't fuck it's, it up. Like, it, what, what if, I, if I give you <laughs> a stick up kid? Gonna right take what, a stick up kid gonna take your shit. I know. Oh, y'all best you can't take what stick up kid got. How you gonna say that on the air? <laughs> My bad. Okay. Because, right, we, well. because we come on after nine o'clock. Is this Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> well. I'm going to sidebar this before we can go on this one all day. You sidebarring us? Really? Right? Yes. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> go ahead. Well, we have Arthur by the name of Bobby here uh, with her book, Fuego. Fuego. And Fuego is, uh, is uh, pretty much based on, is I like a suspense thriller, would you? Yes, yes. Mystery, okay. suspense, thriller, all before the whatever makes you buy it. the book itself, I don't want to cut you off. I'm sorry. You did mean to cut me off. <laughs> I did it intentionally. Oh, I man. feel like that's I'm a lie. I'm about to get my <laughs> this is my uh, my Matt Damon voice now. Oh, uh, the man's playing the voice. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> we want to talk more about you before we dive right into the book. Oh, oh awesome! Yeah. So, so you were doing it wrong, D-Ray. We want to talk about me see, as a person just, and as a woman to get right first. Into it. See, you, you can't gotta just fin- you gotta right. you can't say, just say, poke. Say my name you again. Yeah. You can't just poke. <laughs> say my name again. You D-Ray. Gotta, <laughs> no, I said the way you said it. I don't know how I said it. I don't. I don't know how I said it. It's got to be on my phone, man. <laughs> D-Ray. Anyway. I told y'all, y'all should see what's going on in here yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, man. Okay. No, my present bad. time. Present time. So, first of all, Bobby, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, how you got to where you are now, so forth and so forth. And Bobby with an I or why? It's Bobby with an I. Yes. <laughs> there you Wrong go. Question. So so they'll know how to look me up. <laughs> the hard hitting stuff. <laughs> yes, so Bobby, I am Houston bred, Houston fed, right? Thickle little snooker. Um, <laughs> oh shit. Yes, all right. Oh shit. All right. Yes. No, I'm I've been here all my life. I actually my family's from California and I'm like the only person not the only, but I've out of my siblings I'm the only person born here. And so I love my city. Um, actually, it kind of goes into the conversation that we we're having off camera, how I got to where I am. I am rude, rude. <laughs> Someone's not following instructions. Protocol, gosh. Proceed. <laughs> and so I, come, I, I mentioned that I grew up 
like in the private school system, right? And mm-hmm. so being one uh, one black person to I don't I think there was I was one of three black people in the whole mm-hmm. uh, on the whole campus. And so I was at St. Mark's on Bel Air. It's still there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's still there. Mm-hmm. And it's still there. And um, not really not really knowing there was a difference between black and white until it was pointed out to me um, yep. and and through me trying to, I guess, fit in and then it being made very clear, like, oh, you're not the same, though. Like, seriously, you're okay, but still not the same. And it's like, okay, so if being black means something else, then what does it mean? And so it went from me wanting to assimilate to being so overtly black to mm-hmm. the point where it was almost offensive. And yeah. I was doing everything. Like, so I'm, I'm adopting slang or colloquialism from every coast mm-hmm. and end of the nation. And then I'm also like dashiki wearing black. And just <laughs> you said you said colloquialism. That's one of my favorite words as well. I, Continue. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, I'm. I'm I said it earlier. It came, no, it came from her. I said it earlier, but I didn't. You it, don't it, it, it came, it came. You're not a guest. <laughs> It came from My her. Forehead, <laughs> it, it, it came from her. And go so, ahead, go ahead. and then just me um, and trying to prove my blackness. And somewhere in there, I got comfortable in my own skin and figured out what being black meant to me. And so, in the meantime, in between time, I'm I'm also a writer. I've always loved to write. I started my own uh, papers and little magazines just throughout my whole academic career. Mm-hmm. And my senior year of high school, I'm like, I'm going to write a book. And it was imperative to me to write a book with not just a message, but something that we don't normally talk about. And now also remember that I'm 18 at the time that I'm choosing to write this book. Okay. And so I'm also horny and it was going to be erotica at first, gotcha. right? Gotcha. And so <laughs> it's going to be a book with a message, but they're going to be fucking <laughs> why they talk about the message. Okay. <laughs> it's, gonna... it's smashing in a sentence. <laughs> But so, yeah, I was 18 when I started the book, and I wanted to write the book from a male perspective. Uh And, right, oh, Luna. (laughs) And so, because I had read so many books by female authors, and this is not shade on any female author, black female author, Mm -hmm. I've learned to respect everybody's artistry. Um, But there were so many books I was reading by female authors who, in the, in this, for the sake of womanness or find, learning yourself and, and feminism and liberation and all of that, these black men would get dogged out, something mm-hmm. vicious. And it wasn't just that not only would they get played, but they would somehow like withstand the whole relationship. So they would get cheated on or abused some type of way. And they're just like, you know what? But you figured out who you were as a woman. And so we don't need to get divorced. I realized how this was my fault. <laughs> and so, and I was like, okay, that's one way to go. And it's fiction. Maybe it doesn't matter. I'm thinking too much into it. But then I would turn to the my peers who were reading the book like, yeah, that's a good man. That's what he needed to do after she finished sleeping with those 10 dudes to figure <laughs> out how. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah, I feel like that's not actually what would happen. And uh, one thing that's important to me as I write is it has to be real. Like, this, it, yeah. would this happen in real life? Because mm-hmm. um, I, I want people to not only relate to my art, but I want them to learn from it. I want them to be able to apply it. Um, and it's really like it's, you've read it, and so it may, it may not seem like there's anything to learn just topically, but like, no, I want you to have something, to walk away with something to think about. Mm-hmm. And so... As I matured and my writing matured, I finally figured out like a, a good rhythm for me, and I really focus on 
black people in this particular book, black men and mental illness and how we don't really talk about mm-hmm. what our our Ooh, brothers yes. go through. Wow. Yes. It's dope. It's dope. It's dope. <laughs> yes. she, she, she's, a, she's a very talented writer. But I, she would call me and she's like, have you read it? Like, if you leave me alone, you interrupting my reading right now. <laughs> I'm at work. I'm an artist. And I'm sensitive. And it was shit. good stuff, man. Like, you know, like it was just page after page. Like I just couldn't put it down, you know. And uh, the characters were well developed. And like I said, you did right from a male perspective. Because I mean, my mind, I, I was gonna make you tell you like, man, I'm aggravated at this particular character. Like, yeah, you know. But then I, some of the characters in there remind me of my homeboys. Like dead ass, they remind me of quite a few of my homeboys who give you the wrong information to go about life. But in their mind, they write, and uh, and I'm like, yeah, you always have that person, and and like I said, I I, I can't wait for y'all boys to actually catch up and uh, get some reading in your life. What's the what's the name of the book? Fuego. Fuego. Yes. All right. So so if you can, give us a little synopsis without giving too much away. Yes, sir. So uh, the title's Fuego, and it's my main character is Oscar de Fuego. He is a Afro-Cuban celebrity chef, and he has migrated from Cuba on some shady business. Spanish niggas. <laughs> he has, Damn. He's migrated from Cuba on some shady business, and only he knows. It's him and very few people know how he ended up in the States. And he ends up getting into a near-fatal car accident with his business partner and finds out it wasn't an accident. Someone's trying to kill him. And he's been living his whole life with this paranoia, knowing that his past would catch up with him. And so now he's trying to silence who he believes is stalking him before his celebrity goes up in smoke. Wow. Because he's known as the good guy. And he's never been wrapped up in any sort of controversy and just squeaky clean image. And then this happens and everything starts unraveling. Wow. Damn. It's dope. It's dope shit. And so the the mental. It's dope shit. We gonna talk. We gonna talk. And so the the, the Have mental. You adapting this for the screen, perhaps. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you read, if you read, <laughs> if you read, if you read the book, you'll see my, my strong. I, I believe I'm a strong writer. Period. Mm-hmm. And like, if you don't believe in yourself, who will? And so right. I know it's it's a dope read. What one of its strongest elements is the dialogue. And so you'll read it and realize it reads. Like not just like a script, but like a movie. Like you're you're playing the whole thing out yes. mm-hmm. in yep. your head, and that's because literally that's one of my methods. As I sit down to write, I'm I'm doing this in my head. Like what I'm speaking for everybody in this made up universe that I have, and then it goes right. on paper. I mean, it doesn't have pictures because I don't like to read. It does, <laughs> but I'm saying the imagery. The imagery is there because I never shut up. Like I I write almost identically to how I speak. Yeah. I think that's another part of it, and so I. I can tend to be long-winded. It so happens I'm not a dull person, so people forgive me for being long-winded. Mm. But like, if you go back and think about it, like she ain't shut up yet. Like, damn, she's still. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> it's not only it's only 15 minutes we yeah. gave her. Um, and so I, in that, I tend to be very detailed. And so I definitely paint a vivid picture, which is also uh, I get a little slack. I think especially from family. So in life, people also have sex, right? And so right. that's definitely. And he's Somebody, my. Yeah. <laughs> It does that. It's so, and there are <laughs> what is that? there are attractive people in the book, and not, I'm sorry, that sounds so scratch that from the records. Like only attractive people have sex, like you know. No, <laughs> that's not. Don't don't say it. It's real. <laughs> have sex outside. I'm sorry. Shit. No, but there are ugly children in the world. Um, and so 
because I write. So. <laughs> it happens. They're attractive in their own minds. Because <laughs> I, because I write with such detail, you can get it's easy to get lost in. I'm trying to hey bring it back. You. No, no, we bring there's it back. a reason we're coming on after nine. That's cool. Good shit, man. All the sensitive people are asleep by now. I would have been there time. They already had their granola. Yes. Is the the book already released? It it is. It is available on all online retailers and the back of my trunk. So if you Okay. Most definitely. I have a question about your process, though. Yes. Uh, Because Donald and I, Donald Rose and I, uh, we, we dabble in screenwriting and other things as well. And I know for some people, whenever they write dialogue or write the voices of characters or create characters, they base them on people that they know. Uh, What process do you use to develop your characters? And so I know with the characters I create, they all have some small piece of me. So even writing from a male's perspective, I can still see myself in, in Oscar and Jackson is his best friend who... I believe <laughs> D-Ray was referring to earlier. And so I I, I, I put a little piece of me in every character. Um, I also, just as a writer, I absorb everything. Mm-hmm. And so, but I wouldn't say any of my characters are any particular person. I create one, I, I decide what story I want to tell and who this person is in the story. And then I'm like, okay, who who does he need in his life or who does she need in her life to move her? along this journey. And so with Oscar being more of a passive person, um, he's tame, he's charming, but he's he's not uh, boisterous in any sort of way. He's not a big character. Mm-hmm. So to counter that, there's Jackson, who is very loud and he's he's arrogant in every way and he loves himself and he won't, he's not afraid to tell you how much he loves himself and how much you should love him too. Right. And so I tried to create balance in all my stories because I see that's that's what we do anyways in life. So if I'm I'm not a quiet person, I tend to um, get around people who either can vibe with how you know with the comedic side of me or mm-hmm. who will let me speak. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like I can't I can't compete. I don't find myself in circles where I have to compete. I guess that for balance. attention, right? That right. Balance. So you just have to have a balance. So mm-hmm. I just make sure I create. Um, a balance in my universe. And uh, how many books have you have you written, or how many books have you released? I have released one, and I'm working okay. on the sequel to Fuego, which is yes, Inferno. You see? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Fuego Inferno. That's hot, dope. Hot, it just hot, gets hot, hotter. That's dope. <laughs> and uh, I know you said that it's available on on all digital book platforms. You have a website, a central website that they can go to to find all this? Yes, so www, right? Because we got to type the World Wide Web. <laughs> dot write on bobbyg.com. That's right, W-R-I-T-E, Bobby, B-O-B-B-I-G.com. And where can our listeners find you social media-wise? I am right on Bobby G for everything. So everything. Instagram, right on Bobby right. G. Twitter, right on Bobby G. Gotta Keep it linear. Yeah. Uh, this is it. All right. Is there, is there a, are you a grammar snob at all? Am I, pardon? A grammar snob. You hear what I just said? <laughs> <laughs> I beg your pardon. No. <laughs> a little like, bit. Like how, how, how much does it irk you sometimes to, to look at social media and see that the way that uh, people speak in shorthand? And... Well, okay. So it doesn't, I can't say it irks me. I think it always depends on the, the medium. And so I, I, <laughs> It, it depends on the medium. So I 
can be kind of loose with um, if it's social media. I'm really not too stuck up about it in that way. I guess I also know to give poetic license. Mm-hmm. I believe in that. And so it's not a big deal if it's in a tweet or um, whatever. If you're going on your little Facebook tangent and everything's not going to be all. And also depending yeah. on the audience, right? Everything's not going to be so clean and and how whatever following Right. grammatical rules and but I, if this is like a dissertation or this is um whatever professional outlet then yeah i do i'm like huh you missed a comma and right. that should be a semicolon <laughs> <laughs> you spelled there wrong you're not mm-hmm. an adult we don't, <laughs> like, we don't want yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just base it on whether or not people are talking shit to me if they're talking shit to me i'm just petty i'm like uh you that too your instead of you were that too that now that is that kid that gets me every time because i'm like rather you are Social mm-hmm. media, whether this is casual or formal, you have no business right. saying your. Right. That's yeah. your. Just like as a grown man, you shouldn't ask to ask. Or how is that? Or how they confuse how they confuse quiet with quite. Right. That, that right. A lot. Right. That yes. does a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so female woman. You know. That's my own. Problematic. There we go. There we go. Not gonna get you started on that again. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, I I do appreciate you. We all appreciate. Yeah, we do. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Wow. We we would like you to stick around for the rest of the show if you're brave enough to do so. I am. This is. I'm intrigued. To say the least. It's going to get real. It's going to get real again. She just Uh, (laughs) left. On a roller coaster, I feel like that was a click, click, click. We're going to take another break, and then we will be right back with more from Houston. With love. Right on, Bobby G. Get that fuego.
sandwiches and crime allowances. Vanessa nigga with some counterfeits, but now I'm counting this. Parmesan with my accountant lips. In fact, I'm down in this. You say with my boo, they taste like too late for the analyst. Girl, I can buy your whiskey girl with my base stuff. Who that pussy good? Won't you send it on my taste plus? I get way too many. Won't you let me do the extras? Pull up on your block and break it down. We playing Tetris. AM to the BM, BM to the AM funk. Yes, I'm Joker DM. You just gotta hate the funk. If I quit your BM, I still rock Mercedes funk. If I quit this season, I still be the greatest funk. My left stroke just went viral. Listening to what your girlfriends mention Tell you that I got cool intentions But they don't know me like that Hey, 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 hey I'm trying to do my thing I was stuck with you I ain't in the don't shade in the cup with you I'm just trying to know your name and smoke up with you But they don't know me like that Hey, 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 gorgeous I'm trying to get your attention You listening to what your girlfriends mention They tell you that I got cool intentions But they don't know me like that They don't know me like that Uh, cognac attract zodiac. Had to mac till I brought Odie back. Yeah. Don't you hit me with that lonely act. We can hit my pad and play a game of where your clothes be at. Just do your thing, I can toast to that. 
the world is strange, you really know your path. Make your own cash, baby, bossing up. But in seven days, guaranteed, I can toss you up. Baby, I can floss you up. Hey, you're skating like new, new. I'm with my niggas, bring two through. I mean, I'm talking real crucial. No holding back, no playing no true. Summer dresses, blue hey, pools. Like money and Mitch, she threw me a kiss. Now she got my faith, and she get paper. Nigga, I got taste. Never have chase hoes, they pump and they breaks. The more thirsty you act, homie, the longer it takes. It ain't nothing but game, baby, I know you relate. I've been the same, baby, I know you can take it. Hey, gorgeous, I'm trying to get your attention. You listening to what your girlfriend's mentioning. Tell you that I got cool intentions, but they don't know me like that. Hey, hey, hey. Black, welcome black, welcome black. This is from Houston with love, and uh, I guess they're trying to get their shit together as uh, <laughs> we bring on our second guest. Y'all hear us over here being petty? Hey, call me, call me Petty McReynolds. Um, uh, we're gonna bring on our second guest. Uh, me and and D Ray had the pleasure of uh, of meeting. Mr. Butler, I should call him Joshua. We're, Man, we're on a first. That sound real formal. We're, we're yeah, on a first. Yeah. We're on a first name basis now. I can brag on that now, and yeah. you'll you understand why. Um, 
we we uh, first met uh, Joshua on the uh, Raw Politics uh, show here at All Real Radio. Uh, real down to earth guy. He was running for congressman in the District Seven mm-hmm. area of Houston, Texas. The God number. Uh, it, my man, the God Squad. He was running for the God Squad. He ran for <laughs> District Seven. Which seven? Which which district is uh, the seventh district? What does that cover? It's um, pretty much West Houston, Central West Houston. Oh, Central West Houston. It, um, it's Katy, Bel Air, River Oaks, Meyerland. Mm, the money. Uh, Cy Fair, yeah, Jersey money. Village. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can imagine how that was tough for a black man, right? I, I like yeah. how that, that's a weirdly drawn district. Mm. Very. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Very. I see. In fact, uh, if you ever look at it on a map, it looks like a poodle. Mm-hmm. It would look like a poodle. Wow. Mm-hmm. Random, <laughs> random facts. <laughs> and, and, and actually, you were the first African-American... Ever. In 2017? 18? 2017, I declared first one ever in that district. First. To, to run. To run. Wow. Yep. Hmm. How, 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 was, uh, how was your campaign? Like, how, what was the process of you, you know, I mean, you know, forget, you know, you're the, I, and, I, and I'm going to say this again, because this is like an ongoing thing for me. You were the first in 2018. Black. Black. Yep. Let's, use, let's use the word black. First black. Black, black man. Yep, <laughs> you're the first black man to run for Congress in District Seven. What was the process of you? Uh, you know, you got all of that going on. What were the layers of, of your campaign as far as doing that? Wow, um, running in District Seven is actually a very diverse district. When you look at the number of Latino and Blacks that are in there, mm-hmm. you've got about a forty to forty-five percent. Uh, presence of blacks and Latinos alone. Um, there's 98,000 people of uh, African American descent, roughly 220,000 people of Latino uh, or Hispanic descent, and then you've got around 74,000 of Asian Pacific Islander that are wow. in that area. So it's quite diverse. But the problem is when you look at the voting population, um, you only see the Caucasian or Anglo American people that vote in that area. And it's because mm-hmm. The media, the representatives, the candidates have all tabbed it as a wealthy district, as a place where if you're the who's who living in River Oaks and Westview and Bel Air and Braisewood and name another one in between, Mm -hmm. um, that's where the voice matters. That's where the votes come from. Damn, I said so, right into it, too, when I said the rich. No, nah. no, but, I mean, that's politics <laughs> these days. That's, that's <laughs> politics. And, and the, the reason I got into it, you know, people would look at me and say, well, you don't have a chance to win. And I'm like, you know, no shit. Like, I get what I'm going into, mm-hmm. but I didn't go into it to win. I went into it for victory. And victory is a lot different than winning mm. because yeah. everybody can have – a part in victory. And what I wanted to do was go in and be a logical voice, a logical political voice. It wasn't about being far left. It wasn't about being far right. It wasn't even about being anything that was a label. Mm -hmm. It was about being a good ass human being. And you don't see that in politics these days. You don't see people Mm -hmm. that are willing to put themselves aside and actually serve the community like Mm -hmm. it's supposed to. You have a lot of platforming. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of people that will tell you they can fix all your problems, and that's the biggest lie if there ever was one. Yep. Um, black people are especially pulled into these scenarios where you have all these politicians that will come out and say, hey, I see your streets are, are messed up. I see your infrastructure's failing. I see your schools are awful, and, I, and I've got plans to fix that. And, yeah, you should have plans. But the truth is, is when you look at a scenario like running for the House, 
in Congress, there's 435 representatives. Mm -hmm. So your one voice, unless you've been there for a couple of terms, you're drowned out as a freshman. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was trying to make sure that it was it was realistic going into it and even more so going into communities of color and telling people why this process is important. Like not disengaging like we did in 2016, because when we disengage, we get Trump. And when we disengage from our communities, our communities fail. And the one thing that I grew up on, like my mom was, she was stern. Like she, she made sure my brother and I knew, you know, you're black men living in America. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going to be given to you. You mm -hmm. have to earn every single thing that you go after. And I took that mentality into my campaign because we need community again. Right. Mm -hmm. We need black people working together, right. not dividing whether you're black enough or whether you're, 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 you've made it and you don't want to reach back and help for others or, or, or any of the judgments that we label and put on each other. We have enough people doing that to us. Mm -hmm. So I knew that, no slight to my counterparts that I was running against, but they weren't going to make us a focus. Right. They weren't going right. to go in the neighborhoods that didn't look like theirs, deal with people that didn't sound like them, have the same wealth capacity as them. Mm -hmm. And that was important to me. And regardless of whether I won or not, I wanted to show that I was a force and a presence. And they said that I could only get 1% of the vote. I got five. Hmm. And I was like, so. you know why? Because I engaged. I engaged at a time when people felt that they needed a different option. And I didn't miss a door when I went into communities. I went to 8,594 doors. God. And I went to every single door in the neighborhoods that I was in, be it Democrat, Republican, or anywhere in between. Because regardless of your political affiliation, we're all human beings. We're yeah. all striving towards the fundamental same things. And these power struggles between Republicans and Democrats right now they're meant to divide us. Mm -hmm. It's meant to keep us separated because if you control the messages and you control the masses, you stay in power mm -hmm. because nobody's going to be willing to work together. So my purpose right now, be it as a candidate or just in this community, is to find ways, find unique ways, find people like yourselves that can help us to get the word out and build community again. What was the, one of the biggest pushbacks you had during your run? You're not a real Democrat. You can't win because you're not focusing on democratic doors. Or I was called a coon really? by my own people. <laughs> of course. own people, man. I was called most based, recently. Based on what? Based on the fact that I wanted to deal with everyone. Okay. Um, I had some of our known leaders in the black community call me a rented Negro. Mm. See, here's, a, here's wow. the problem. And this is, this is where a lot of people kind of miss the point when they say dumb shit like that in that if you do become a, an elected official you represent everyone everyone not just your political party right. you right. are beholden to everyone that's in that right. district that you represent right. that's right so right. what sense does it make to only mess with half of your district when if you're elected you have you're responsible to everyone and it's inauthentic mm -hmm. Like, you yeah. say you want to represent all people, but what you're really saying is, I want to represent all people that look like me. Right. Right. And that's the biggest bullshit that there ever is anything true, that you can true. say in politics. So I wasn't focused on that. And I come from a background where my mom is a strong black woman, and she raised my brother and I as a single mom. And the one thing she instilled in us is, you run your race. You run your race in life. Like, stay in your lane. Because yeah. people will try and pull you outside of who you are to, to make themselves feel better. Mm -hmm. And there's a, deficient, there's a deficiency within them 
mm-hmm. that requires you to have to do something to make them feel better. And while I can empathize with anybody, I mean, I'm a liver patient. I've almost died three times in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I have been through marriage and divorce. I've been through financial issues in my life. But every time God's allowed me to bounce back. Mm-hmm. And I take that faith and that journey and I learn from it and understand that we all have human suffering. You know, one of the people that I admire a lot is uh, Stephen or Orozco. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I read his book and I'm still reading it. Uh, when he said that, you know, people that look different than me can still suffer like me. And I believe that. Mm -hmm. I I don't believe suffering discriminates on anybody. But I do believe that black people and brown people suffer way more than we have to. Hell yes. Most definitely. Most definitely. Let me get your opinion on one thing. Uh, My my parents grew up in rural areas. My father, well, outside of Houston when it was still rural. I hate saying that word, rural. Rural. (laughs) And my mother grew up in very rural Louisiana. And they grew up, you know, the 40s, 50s, and ultimately the 60s, obviously. And they were saying when their, and they spoke very broadly, when their generation wanted to get things done at the time, they couldn't lean on an individual person as a focus point on it. Everything for them was was mobilization and movement. So yeah, someone might spearhead the movement, but it took masses of people in order for them to finally affect change. And they and they didn't trust anyone who would say, put all your issues on me, I'll be the one right. to get you there. Is that something that you see kind of reversing today with the way that people kind of manage themselves? Well, I think social media kind of drives that scenario now. Mm-hmm. Um, you have all these groups, all these self-proclaimed leaders mm-hmm. that get their own individual followings. And mm-hmm. then, you know, whether they rise to power or they rise to their local power, there's no cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that you saw, and we were talking off air about this, was in the 60s when civil rights was coming to uh, an apex. Like, you had, you know, those one, two, or three leaders that you could look to. And yeah, they were the start of the movements, but they weren't the movement. Mm-hmm. They were the voice, they were the one that championed it, and they were the ones that helped to push it forward. But it took us as black people really understanding what we wanted to cohesively accomplish together. We mm-hmm. knew we needed rights. We knew we needed the ability to integrate into schools. And the segregation was it was atrocious. Now we're kind of in a scenario where everybody has this idea of what they think is right or want to do or don't want to do or who they think is acceptable or not. And and it's, it's divisive. And, mm-hmm. and how we fix that is something I don't have the answer to. But what I do know is each of us have a responsibility to try and connect mm-hmm. and, and build that bridge mm-hmm. and not look to any one person as our savior. I think President Barack Obama is a good example of that. He wasn't going to be our savior. Right. Like He was the start of something that black men and black women can actually well, ascend to let, the uh, highest office in the country, right. finally. Right. They let the right. grandma see you before yeah. said it. Ooh, they had pictures of Jesus, <laughs> Martin, and Barack. I mean, and rightfully so. I, I carried around a picture of Barack Obama on my screensaver on my phone the whole time I was running for office because he's the epitome of the gold standard for what we aspire to be. Yeah. But at the same point in time, he's one element. I like the fact that he came out with this initiative called uh, Million Barack Obamas. And it's not a 
true initiative yet, but I think it's one that should be there because we should be empowering a million Baracks and a million Michelles mm-hmm. to go out and, and have that dignity and respect that we as black people mm-hmm. have tried to attain, but have struggled with it because our culture got ripped away from us. We're the only race on the face of the planet that doesn't have a culture. We're making it as we go about. Like, we don't know where our true roots come from because it was watered down so badly. Right. So we've got to figure out who those leaders are that can help us to solidify our place in history. Mm -hmm. And then also we have to work with our counterparts as well, effectively. It's not selling out. It's called being collaborative Mm -hmm. and understanding that, unfortunately, in the United States of America, whether you like it or you don't, white people still write the rules. And if they're writing the rules, you have to find the ones that want to help rewrite the rules mm-hmm. to get things done. Right. And, and it's, it, it is all about uh, collaborative efforts. It's all about that because without that, uh, a lot of things really don't, really don't run the way it should. Um, you, you, you made a point about Barack um, giving uh, or showing promise with empowerment. Uh, it, to me, he was like seeing a... Um, Seeing, like being told all your life, you'll never see a pink unicorn with a gold horn, and then <laughs> the pink unicorn shows up, and you're like, "Oh shit, that shit can happen!" Like you know, it, it became a reality, and it became a reality for a lot of minority. Uh, I, I can say for real for young black men, especially uh, because just history has shown how. Things have happened, yep. you know. I mean, just without even saying it, you know. I mean, slavery, all of that, you know. And I mean, affected the, the black culture as a whole, but especially uh, with you know him becoming president, that was a tremendous thing that we saw. Uh, with you being the first, with you being the first black male running, You're really in, struggling with this today. <laughs> I, I hate it, man. I hate no, to I say it, it. but it's it. like you being the first black male. Running in District Seven, our first black person, period. Period. Running in District Seven, on election night, you mm-hmm. you 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 know you're you're waiting, waiting to hear the polls and waiting to see what the the end result is, yeah. and you know I mean you you already you know you stated before that you know you already knew that if you know if you didn't win it was still a step forward already. Right. What was your takeaway? Your takeaway that night. With uh, with you, with your 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 um, your crew that 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 helped you with your campaign. What was your your takeaway? My takeaway was gratitude. Um, it was gratitude for the ability to do something that hadn't been done. It was gratitude to have worked a career that got me to this point, mm-hmm. where I could be a voice for people of color, where I could give visibility. For people of color in the community and i wasn't the only person of color ivan sanchez who also ran uh, was the second latino to ever run in congressional district seven okay. so he entered the race um late but the groundwork and, and framework that my campaign laid was that we can do things differently and bridge a connection like people didn't want to give me money because I wasn't the popular candidate or I didn't have the Westview connections. Um, <laughs> people didn't want to host fundraisers for me. And, and whether it's a subliminal thing or not, like how often do you see white people inviting blacks into their homes? Gotcha. They'll, they'll have fun with you. They'll talk with you. They'll be colleagues with you, mm-hmm. but they don't. And they'll invite you to church because it's great for public relations mentality right but bringing you into their home that's a little too personal so the the things that i faced were and looking back 
was, man, look at all the work we did. Like yeah. I wrote so much policy uh, preparation, legislative action plans, and nobody gave a shit. Like people would say, oh, you don't know anything about policy. You don't have content. I'm like, have you been to my website? Like there's so much there for you to read. Well, you're not connected into the community and you're not doing what half the campaigns are doing. And I'm like, I'm outworking everybody that's out here. But it's those barriers of being, and I'll say it bluntly, being black, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you have to work two and three and four times as hard as your white counterparts just to become visible. Even the Houston Chronicle went as far as saying that I lack substance. And I'm like, that's the best thing you could say about the black candidate in the race. So lack substance. Lack substance. Like they said, I had a great story and this shit you hear about blacks all the time. Oh, they come yeah. from a, a neat or great background or they have a great story, but yeah. there's not much to them. And I got the <laughs> subliminal message. So I called it out through my social media. And then all of a sudden there were writers in other parts of the country that were just completely ignoring the fact that I was even in the race. And fortunately, I had some individuals that were kind enough to go to bat for me. Mm-hmm. But I look back on all of those things election night and I realize how blessed I am to sit in a position where now we can continue to move that conversation forward. And I will run again, but it won't be for Congressional District 7. But gotcha. at the same point in time, there's still areas of Congressional District 7 that I care about deeply. I spent a lot of time out in Katy, a lot of time in Fair, because that's where a lot of black people are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they get forgotten about because they don't have the big pocketbooks all the time for yeah. candidates to go and get them to open up. And I, yeah. I, I, I want, yeah. please forgive me for making the comparison, but you, you're, you're bringing up a very good point in that over time, as long as people continue to ignore you and what you're actually doing because it's not immediately um, visible to them. Over time, you bring yourself to a point, again, forgive the comparison, similar to what Trump did in his election where there are a lot of people who were traditionally overlooked who, who voted in mass in favor of him that people didn't think would vote for him. Right. Because again, if you, if you go to communities that are underserved, meaning that they don't get attention from someone who, who is campaigning to represent them, then you will overlook the fact that these people in numbers will still come out and support that person because you didn't look at them. You assumed that they weren't there. They were invisible to you. But the person that is paying attention to them mm-hmm. was right there. And because you're not, you know, because you don't have a struggle story as a black man. Because another thing is people like a struggle story. Mm-hmm. So if you would have lauded on the fact that, you know, I, I grew up in, I grew up in, you know, the, the biggest slum and wherever I came from, I never knew either one of my parents. I was originally born with one leg and somebody miraculously <laughs> right. You know, it's funny you to... say that, though. Right. Not to cut you off, mm-hmm. but let me tell you a little bit about me. Because mm-hmm. most people see that I grew up in the suburbs. I went mm-hmm. to a great university. I have great jobs. But I come from a family where my grandmother was not even high school educated. She had an eighth grade education, but she was one of the most brilliant individuals I've ever known in life. Mm-hmm. My family was not wealthy. My mom had to make a lot of sacrifices in order to make sure my brother and I could sit in rooms with people like yourselves right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times we had to wait at the Greyhound bus station for boxes of food to be sent from my grandmother, coming home with padlocks on the door because we didn't have the money to pay the bills, yeah. uh, having to literally break in our own home 
just to be able to get clothes to go and stay at a hotel. Mm. I grew up in a family with domestic violence. You know, it's not to rag on my dad, but at the same point in time, what he took my mother through with abuse and cheating and all of those things, like we dealt with that. And when you're a young person, and, and I was born with liver disease, so I was fighting for my life up until literally the age of 15, 16, just trying to live. And those things teach you a lot about the petty shit mm -hmm. of life that we focus on. Um, one of the reasons that I decided to run for office is because I almost died in 2016 from a simple case of food poisoning. Mm. I w went to the emergency room at Memorial Hermann Hospital and they didn't take it seriously because I went in in regular street clothes. The ambulance that took me said I wasn't that sick. All they cared about was whether I had valid insurance. And, <laughs> yep. and when I got there, I'm begging them for my life for 45 minutes. I was going through hypovolemic shock, which is where your body's completely shutting down. I was suffocating to death right in the waiting room. Yeah. And it took the fact that I worked for the hospital system calling somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody to get me through the doors to save mm -hmm. my life. And I thought about that. I was like, how many people die because they don't have the connections and the access? Mm -hmm. How many people are taken for granted simply because they don't have a good story? Right. And, yep. that, and that's the problem in our societies across the board. Like, and, and it's not to just even harp on the white community, but the white community wants that story because yep. they want to be the saviors. They want to be able to say, look, we can point to this as you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And, and, and it is possible. But they've, excuse me the language, but they fucked us over years ago. And, and that within itself is, is why we're fighting so hard right now mm -hmm. to get our voice heard. Like those sacrifices that started with Martin Luther King Jr. and, and the civil rights era. And, and we harp on Martin Luther King a lot, but there were a lot of no-name black people yep. that, oh, yeah. that died, yes. oh, were yeah. hung from trees, were, were not allowed to, were drugged from the back of trucks mm -hmm. that we don't talk about. And I carry those stories with me because I think about even my great-grandparents. Like my great-great-grandfather was called a boy at 80-some years old mm. selling bells of cotton trying to make sure that he took care of his family. And he mm -hmm. was a preacher. And my mother used to tell us a story. She would ask him, Grandpa, why do you let them call you boy? And why do you give your land away like you do? He had acres of land. And he said, Re, that land doesn't belong to me. That belongs to God. And these individuals, they're God's children just like we are. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is people don't see us that way. Right. right. So there's an opportunity to do better and focus mm -hmm. on better. And... What my campaign represented was showing that you can exercise humanity while also exercising dignity and tenacity to bring to light the issues that are important in our communities around the board. Um, in, in, in line with that, I know growing up um, in Sunnyside, shout out to Sunnyside, my own neighborhood, mm. um, we weren't necessarily educated in political. Y'all laughing at Sunnyside? It's cool. I'm just saying. We weren't necessarily educated I in <laughs> political matters or, or how, you know, how the political system works. Right. So the only thing that we knew, especially as children, was every four years when it's time to vote for president, president. you just vote for whoever you like. Right. But we never understood like municipal issues or even state issues, anything like that. Now, in 2018, we are the most connected uh, invisible generation in the history of the world. And we have the ability to get messages out there unlike any time before. 
And oftentimes we are very good at being disruptive because we're able to put out messages in mass. What do we need to do to, and we were again talking about this offline, what do we need to do to take ourselves from simply being disruptive to also being legislative and, and pushing forth policy? Right. So the marches and the things that we do from a disruptive standpoint, they're great. But I told you all, what's the plan after you get done? And, right, because the, the sit-in at, at Woolworths way back in the day, that was disruptive. Right. But it was followed by further action, which enacted policy. Right. And I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, Sorry. it's okay. One of the parts that you have to do is we, we have to support our current elected leaders, like the ones that are in office. Now, mind you, there's some that just love being in office for the sake of being in office. Mm -hmm. And you have to hold those individuals accountable and recruit new talent to change the direction we're going. Like, one thing I don't believe in is people holding office for 20, 30, 40 years. I just don't. I think every generation we change, every 10 years our communities change and the requirements in them are different. Mm -hmm. So part of that um, legislative piece, if we want to get to that point, is we have to start educating our youth. We have to start letting them know why politics is important and how it affects their everyday life. Like even if, in fact, Stephen's book, it was really poignant when he said most of millennials don't vote because politics is boring. And it is. I mean, it's stuff that's irrelevant to us, but yet so present in our lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the, the young people really need to know how it impacts their day to day. Um, once you start educating the youth and you start re-engaging people into why politics is important. Then you can start moving from a disruptive standpoint to a true activism. And that activism starts taking shape in, in people running for office. It takes shape in people going to city hall and going to the state house and going to their federal elected offices and telling them what's important to them. Not always in, in the loud demonstrative modes, but writing those narratives like teaching somebody how you get a piece of information in front of a congressional member or a state member. Right. Those are the things that we're not empowered with. One thing I learned as I was going through my congressional race is how much our white communities are constantly calling and writing and, and telling their uh, legislators what they want and what they don't want and threatening to <laughs> withhold money from them. Right. Well, money's one piece. But black people, we have power in our votes. Right. Like, we change yep. the mentality of how politics looks when we get ready to. We saw it with President Obama. We saw it in the Doug Jones race in Alabama mm -hmm. recently. So if we get our young people, and even it's the older ones, too, that can't be turned off by everything now and, right. and need to pass that knowledge forward. And, and even take the, their children, like our parents need to take our generation right now right. and get us to educate our babies. Mm -hmm. Because 10, 20 years from now, if we don't create a pipeline, this stuff's not going to get any better. It's right. only going to get worse. And the only way you can create a movement is you can't have a moment. And right now we're sitting in a moment. We've got to transition it to a full-blown movement. And that's going to take communities of color and that's our Latino brethren and sisters, that's our Asian populations, mm -hmm. that's all of us, the minorities of this country. We're the majority. Absolutely. We haven't realized that power yet. So if that's the case, we've got to start getting people elected. We've got to start recruiting and educating. 
And then even more so, we have to make sure that our leaders are working together yes. and not undercutting each other because their egos are bigger than the focus on serving community. And they're putting party over country as well. Right. Um, well, I, I just have one more question. Um, this Friday, some people will be <coughs> celebrating a, an, an unofficial national holiday, or maybe it's a global holiday. Uh, this Friday is April 20th, also known as 420. The big 420. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> this question somehow comes up in each of the times I've been here. <laughs> it's a trend going on. It's always the last question, too. Uh, yeah, as, as uh, D-Rate might call it, kicking penguins. Kicking a penguin. Kicking one penguin. Um, do you ever think that marijuana <laughs> will be legal in Texas? And if so, what are the benefits, if there are any? Of legalization. No, I don't. But I do believe there's a ton of benefits to it, to legalizing it. Um, the unfortunate part about living in Texas is that once you get beyond San Antonio, it's not so progressive. Um, and West Texas tends to control the voting outcomes hmm. in the state. Um, there. You see the urban metropolitan centers like Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, San Antonio. We're a little bit more progressive, a little bit more liberal in the way that we think. But the problem is, is Texas is still very red. And those red conservative values, be it good or bad, however people want to look at it, um, they're just not ready for the conversation about legalizing marijuana and the sad part is most of their kids are smoking marijuana yes mm -hmm. right they, now right and yep. most of them hell we came through the 70s right. so the 70s yep. was free love free peace right. like everybody <laughs> was smoking back then right. and but the the part for the alt-right or the extreme conservatives is they focus on these skewed christian values and they really are in in many ways bullshit values because I'm Christian, I believe in Jesus, mm -hmm. and I know Jesus told us to love one another. Mm -hmm. Like that was the greatest commandment. Mm -hmm. So if we're to love one another, and you're supposed to be your brother's keeper, somebody's not paying attention to the word. And I'm not saying that it's everybody that's in West Texas or it's everybody that's in the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. There's some crazy ass Democrats out there too. Right. But the truth is, is we're just Texas hasn't hit that place yet. I would love to see it legalized. I would love to see our criminal justice system entirely reformed. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely too many people of color that are being profited off of as a result of capitalism. Yes. And when you look at places like California right now, yep. California is, a, is, is really a test bed for legalization. And it doesn't just start with legalizing it. Um, I saw a meme that showed a black man sitting in his prison bed and he had marks on the wall for all the years that he had been in prison. And he's reading a newspaper that says marijuana has been legalized, legalized yeah. but yet he's still in prison yep. for yeah. having had possession of marijuana. So there's a problem and a disconnect there. Like we, if we're going to legalize it, we also have to have a plan to get our people of color out of the prison system. We have to have a plan to get everyone out of the prison system that has been charged with petty possession or possession of a controlled substance like marijuana. And I've, and I've always felt, and I, I'm not, you know, I admit I'm not the most educated on the subject, but I, I've always felt like one of the biggest hurdles to them legalizing it is the fact that they have to 
go back and account for everyone Correct. that they mm-hmm. even prison because of it. Yeah. And that that is too much of a, a truth, a hard truth for them to swallow um, in order for them to put that forward. But yet they have Christian values. Right. And, and that's, the, <laughs> that's the hypocrisy that I see. And just blatantly, I can talk about Democrats yeah. and Republicans because I'm an independent. And, yeah. and I will run again as an independent. Um, the reason for that is there's many different ways to find a solution. Right. And right now we're gridlocked into these closely held belief systems. And that's in every community. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say black people don't have it too. Like some of our shit is Absolutely. rooted right. in, mm-hmm. in not so progressive ways either. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's and an easy way to escape logic sometimes. It, it is. If, if you just fall back in your belief system, you can say, well, this is what I believe. It doesn't have to be logical, but uh, you know, it's in the book. So. Yeah. And it's a disconnect that we see between the older and the younger generation too. Like I often say sports was the greatest uh, equalizer. Mm-hmm. And, and universities were the greatest equalizer for um, American general relations because we're communities that are mixed now. Like you have kids that are coming from the rural areas in, in dorms with kids from the urban areas mm-hmm. and you get those different cultural exposures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know Bobby was saying she went to a private school and I went to a private school uh, in college right before I transferred to Alabama and it was a completely different culture shock. Like I had never gone to a private school before. Mm. I was public school when I was in high school. That's so funny because then being introduced to black people after having been um, around white people from kindergarten age to eighth grade and the ninth grade hit and black people like hella black people and they're black as black. And I'm like, what? Hi. Did it it fascinate you or did it frighten you? It frightened me. It fascinated me. It was so intimidating because it was, it's this moment of, hey, you look black like you look down and then I open my mouth and like oh she's not down like at all and I really don't know like my music um, my dad is old as fuck okay and so he (laughs) (laughs) and so I grew up like with everything from I want to say what 40s to 60s Type of soul. So I was like, hoping you were going to say Rascal Flatts. Yeah, no. Really? <laughs> no, no, no. She so was more like Fiona Apple. And then so, a little bit low key. And so I grew up with like soul music. That's what was being played in the house. Songs of the Kid Life is being played in my house. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire is being played in my house. Good taste. And, then, <laughs> and um, Delphonics, like we can go back to where like every picture is black and white and all mm. of that. That's what I hear on the radio. But I didn't even know FM radio was a thing until <laughs> middle school. Um, cause I wasn't, it was, it wasn't like it was the devil's music. It just wasn't played like that's trash. And there's no right. point in even yeah. turning on an FM station cause ain't nothing good on it here. Here's the temptations. And so I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> this is wonderful. And these are all the songs that I know. And then I try to fit in at school and it's Spice Girls and Backstreet Boys and blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, all right, cool to fit in here. This is my musical taste. And then I get around black people and they're like best top five rap albums of all time. <laughs> Same. And I'm like, <laughs> like, oh God, it's a test. And so, and I didn't even know, I don't even think, I don't recall knowing the, like the defaults, like, like whatever, you just say Nas and Jay-Z and Pac, just say it. But I think and it's so- a part of remembering your roots too. And, and it's where we as black people have to remember, even when we make it out of the hood, we can't forget the hood. Right. And yeah. I grew up in the suburbs, but my family did not, like my extended family. And my mom was always real keen to take us back. Like, she wanted us to see, don't get it twisted. Like, your ass ain't made it yet. 
if you got family members that are still here, then you got a lot of work to do. Yep. And as I ran my campaign, you know, it was always a struggle between keeping it real and playing the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's the bigger the side of me. Switching. Yeah, no. the code switching. No. And, and, and the bigger part of wow. me, and as people are starting to find out, I'm not a candidate anymore. I can say whatever in the hell I want. Ooh. And a lot of those things that people took me through, I'm starting to expose and talk about it because that's mm. the dirty side of politics back. that like people it. need to understand. Yep. Even in the black community, yep. I'm starting to make sure that people understand, look, we have some good activists and we have some bullshit activists. And you need to determine which is which, because the ones that are bullshit that are going out here dividing our communities and you know who you are, you need to actually try and figure out a way to build our community up. And it's not that I'm against those individuals. It's just that I understand that there's many different ways to find a solution in ways that we don't have to meet those stereotypes to make sure that black people advance and truly have a voice in this country. Man, that is so profound. Man. Bars. Hey, well, Joshua, you always have a place on our show. I love being here, man. And y'all should hear it off air. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We shall we shall also be chopping it up offline as well, because uh, you're a cool dude, uh, down to earth, Miss Bobby. Uh, we I need was to talk. about to be in my feelings. I'm still a woman. Like he didn't say that at the end of my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't bring you in. <laughs> See, D-Rose over here creating a boys club. We welcome the ladies. Yeah. You're, you're, you're welcome as well. I'm looking looking yes. at your book, actually, while, we, while we were talking. And I will be getting that book Thank very, you won't very, be disappointed very brother. soon. Thank you. She got, she got Thank them you. in the trunk right now. Yeah, that's what, what I'm saying. <laughs> so, hey, you can't pop trunks in Birmingham. Not back where I'm from. Hey, man. Well, hey. There was a time where you could not pop trunk right here. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. you still got to choose your time, time and uh, time. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, we, we thank both of y'all for coming. No uh, thank you. Thank and, you. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we're going to, no, well, not hopefully, but we're going to continue to support your book movement and also talk offline about some other shit. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joshua, we're going to, we're doing lunch. Um, yes, sir. But we're going to. Are we up? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Let's do it. We're gonna, we're gonna do it. Sure. Yeah, we, 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 Breakfast Club. I don't eat. That was a plug, right? Uh, 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 Walkers King. We did that discount. Or Phil and Derrick's. Have you had Phil and Derrick's, man? I love Phil and Derrick's. That's what I don't like. Phil and Derrick's. That's like bottomless mimosas. I like bottomless mimosas. Um, but we're gonna be right back after this break. Uh, we don't have a Love Jones segment again. Oh, oh, no shit. No. Oh, oh, so the 420 was. Sh oh, okay. Well, shit. Oh, but 420? Be ready. You know? Okay. Be ready for updates and Love Jones. 420 edition. <laughs> D Ray. Kicking Penguins. Ray always kicking Penguins yes. with his pinky out. Yeah, that's, I, that's cool. I, I can't wait to get all these high text messages on Friday, man. Oh, that's going to be dope. Uh, Y'all annoy me every year. Literally. Bro. Well, but <laughs> uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, penguin punters. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, every week we try to give y'all some raw material. Uh, you know how we do on this platform. We hit you with that 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 real shit, not the bullshit. Uh, but continue to tune in every Monday, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. Mm -hmm. 10 p.m., 12 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we will continue to hit you with 
what we like to call. Uh, what? I was going your alley. Y'all just had a fail. No, no, no. That was it. That was it. You're supposed to say decidedly unwoke, man. Oh, but you, shit, that's what it was. It's okay. <laughs> but we are decidedly unwoke here. Yeah. We're decidedly unwoke. That's how unwoke he is. He didn't even know. He was thinking about them penguins he going to be kicking. Man, that's what I really was. I'm like, you know I'm growing them now, so hey. Okay, we're going to talk about Don't worry, Bobby, 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 Bobby going to come with her session soon called Eat the Pink. <laughs> yes. Yo, yo, don't think yes. I won't when I will. Oh, as we like to win. That's going to be a segment. As we call the oh, Himalayan. Yeah, yeah. The Himalayan. The Himalayan. The Pink Himalayan. The Himalayan. Hey, yeah, if you ever, if you want to have a regular segment about the Himalayan, we, we give it happen. happen. We give it ideals live on the app. We ain't even salty. We ain't even salty. <laughs> so, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I got a little bit salty. That's what you did. Okay. Uh, should be a little salty. Uh, just you know, a little. Uh, you know. That's ladies and gentlemen, continue to continue to tune in. We uh, come on allrealradio.com each and every week. We make the world better. I like to always say. As far as the sky is long and wide, so is your opportunity to achieve your dreams and be successful. It's all a choice. You make the decision. This is from Houston with love. We signing out. Peace. Blessings. Deuces. Peace. Himalayans, we love you. The pink. <laughs>
that's how it is. Rolling through a pins, bubble our lights coming off in the scene. Cause we so old, 20s on the road. Niggas down south pushing weight, snapping hoes. That's how it goes. Cause we so old, 20s on the road. That's how it goes. Cause we so old, cause we so old. Bang, so old. You are now tuned in to From Houston with Love, where we give you a balanced perspective of arts, culture, and what's going on locally in the city of Houston. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at From Hugh with Love. Brought to you by R.I.K., Rappers I Know, and IllMatterMedia.com.